Today's episode highlights include international education, the importance of it, trends and career opportunities, diversity, access and equity in U.S. education, strategies to prepare for living abroad, German and American work culture, and this week's travel suggestion is Sylt, and you'll find out more about Frankfurt and Stuttgart. My name is Hanni Geist. Welcome to Coffee Connections. Today's Coffee Connection is Wugai Johannes, Director of Operations and Organizational Development at Diversity Abroad. Before I start sharing the interview with you with Wagaya Johannes, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about the podcast itself, because in this episode specifically, my audio sounds maybe a little bit off. I jumped into the podcast water, so to say, didn't really know anything about it last July. And I came up with a concept, I edited everything, and I really had no idea how anything worked, including audio, how to record and how to really properly record so that the audio is up to par and uh, similar to what you may hear in other podcasts. That being said, I'm working on it. Uh, this time I decided to not re-record it because I wanted to have a natural conversation and I wanted to keep it that way. But I promise you I'm working on it and I learn as I go and I hope that I will improve the audio. But the other thing that I wanted to share is that Unfortunately, I don't really see the interviewees in person. And so what that means is that all of my interviews are virtually either through Zoom or Skype. And while this is not perfect for the audio, it is really a wonderful opportunity, I think, to connect with a lot of people, learn from their experience and hear their stories. So if there is audio in the episode that may be a little bit wonky, unfortunately, I can't change that, but I do hope that you still enjoy the conversations as much as I did. And last but not least, before we start with the episode, if you do hear a kitty meow, <laughs> that is actually my cat, Freddy, who was very vocal while we recorded it. And so just FYI, you're not imagining it. There is a cat meowing every once in a while in this episode. And now have a listen. My name is Wagaya Johannes. I work at Diversity Abroad. I'm the Director of Operations and Organizational Development. And then I've been in the field of international education for, I think, 20 years. So before we start properly, it's still in the morning for me. It's somewhat noon in New York for you, but I'm still working on my coffee. If we had this conversation at a German cafe, what would you order? I still have my coffee here in New York. So in Germany, I think I would order Kaffee and Kuchen. And thinking of cake, I probably would have a piece of Bienenstich. Mm -hmm. Can you describe what that is? If memory serves me correct, it's sort of like a pound cake with some cream in the middle or on top it's a little sweet maybe there is almond i can't remember mm. but it goes really well with coffee yeah it has it has some almonds caramelized almonds yeah. on top i i really like that too let's start with the basics what is your connection to germany my connection to germany is through my mother who 
is German and so grew up in partly in Germany and partly in California with one foot in either place. So grew up speaking or hearing German rather in the household and having a lot of the, the traditions that come with having a German mother. How was that for you, not only living with a diverse household, but also growing up in two different countries? How was that experience for you? It was great. It led me to where I work now in the field. And I would say for me, it was the normal. One in part being raised in Berkeley, California, a number of my friends and those I went to school with also had parents from different backgrounds and either spoke different languages at home and or traveled back to the homeland wherever it is for them. So it felt normal at the time. Where did you grow up in Germany? What, where did you spend your time? In Frankfurt and outside of Hamburg. How old were you when you lived there? Throughout my childhood, I had the opportunity in Frankfurt to start school. So to start elementary school. And so in the German tradition, I had the Schultüte, so almost like a wizard's hat filled with candy um, mm -hmm. that we got. And yeah, so I had some experience in grammar school and then a little bit toward right before you go to high school. So you said that this experience led to where you are now and your career. Can you spell that out a little bit, how you decided to go into the field and how the, your experience helped you in your career? Sure, that's a great question. Having been exposed to a different school system made me interested in different perspectives of education. And so I kind of took that on as I learned about the field of international education and what does it mean to One helps students find an academic path in another country, short-term, long-term, as well as what are different countries' perspectives on international education. So what is the German perspective? What is the U.S. perspective? What is another country's perspective? So when you say that, I'm actually curious uh, what, what that is. I, I'm in the same field, but and I studied in Germany and the U.S. I didn't go to high school in the U.S. and I did that in Germany. But what are the differences and maybe the similarities in the educational systems? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind and more from the international educational exchange perspective is here in the United States, you know, the question often is, you know, why don't students study abroad? You know, many don't have a U.S. passport. Whereas in Germany, at least my experience has been starting the conversation looks different from, you know, why you would want to go to another country. It starts earlier. It starts in high school. So whether it's through going on exchange to France or the U.K. and then through Erasmus, the type of exchange and motivation is just very different from that perspective than in the United States. And that leads me to where you are now. You're with Diversity Abroad. So what does Diversity Abroad mean as an organization, but then also specifically what diversity means here in the United States and access and equity? Diversity Abroad was created uh, about 14 years ago, really at the intersection of diversity, equity, inclusion, and global education. So First, looking at the United States, how to ensure that more underrepresented students 
know about international experience, why it's important and how they can take advantage of it and also be supported through the experience, which could be different from what a traditional experience would be for what is traditionally a study abroad experience in the United States historically, which are white women going abroad, let's say to France. And that looks very different today. And when you say underrepresented groups, I remember when I started thinking more about diversity and equity several years ago, I didn't really know what underrepresented meant. And you pointed out female going to France, but what are other underrepresented groups that are diversity abroad supporting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wide. So race, ethnic minorities, first generation to go to college in their family and lower socioeconomic backgrounds, religious diversity, LGBTQ. Those are some to start out with. So it is diversity of background, as well as ultimately diversity of destination as well. The first question is, what are the biggest hurdles? And then how can those students be supported? The hurdles come in a variety of shapes or sizes, but traditionally we say it's finances, family, friends, faculty. Those are some of the hurdles. So for students, I think even if you had all the money in the world, they wouldn't necessarily go. I think the value, why is international education important or why is an experience such as this valuable when it comes to my career is the question that needs to be answered both for the students, but then often with their parents. And I think, especially right now, when we come out of this crisis, trying to tell parents of students why something like this is important will continue to be critical. So those would be some of the hurdles. And I think in terms of support, the experience for students of different backgrounds are going to be different in every country. And that goes even if you study from one end of this country to another, how are you being supported? And recognizing that that support structure may look different for different types of students. The international education world has changed quite a bit over the past three months. So we don't know how the shelter in place and the pandemic, how this really influences international education it will have a huge impact, but really how it will look like, we don't know, but just based on your long experience in the field of international education, how it did that perception, especially within the group of diverse students, did that change and the importance of studying abroad and the opportunities that are available? I would say when it comes to study abroad specifically, first, the redefinition of study abroad is broader. So, you know, students are interning, volunteering, obviously short term is growth. So looking at that experience has changed. And I would say it's knowing that it's not just one type of experience. So you know, going to France to study French, but it could be going to Germany to study engineering, right, for an internship. So the the type of experience has changed. And I think along with that, different types of students, different majors, different backgrounds, studying abroad has also shifted the landscape into what students want to do abroad as well. Tell me a little bit more about your 
experience, especially working in various countries. I know you also lived in Budapest for a number of years, working for the International Institute of Education. How that experience is for you living in various countries, working in different countries and what that did for you professionally, but also personally, because moving, uprooting everything and then going to a different country and then coming back is a very complex experience professionally, but also personally. I entered the field of international education because I sort of grew up with different cultures two different continents. And so going to Budapest, as you mentioned, I had lived in Western Europe for a couple of years. Central Europe was very different in some ways. I didn't know the language of Hungary, knew a little bit of the history. But having lived in Germany and the Netherlands, and at least on the European continent, in some ways, Budapest felt more like home than other parts of the United States, because I'd known a little bit of, let's say, the European culture. So that, I think, has been beneficial in terms of having a jumping off point, moving to a brand new country of sorts. And having lived in Germany, in Hungary, using German was quite easy. So I had German and English to use, even if I didn't speak Hungarian. So that, I think, was very beneficial professionally to be able to represent the Institute of International Education on the European continent. From a personal perspective, also very interesting to live in different European countries as an American, and especially as an American woman of color, and being able to glimpse the different types of diversity that exist in Germany, and then I also lived in the Netherlands, and then Hungary, and what that means. Overall, very positive experiences. What I realized when I came back to the United States is I, and I moved to New York, and New York, I really appreciated the diversity of New York, and realized, at least for me, living in a place where diversity is key is important to me, whereas for others, that may not be as important. So how was that since you mentioned living as a woman of color in different countries, how was that experience for you and how did you navigate that? I would say in Holland, again, living in the capital, it was also very diverse, whereas in, in Germany as well, in Frankfurt and Hamburg, I would say Hungary was maybe the first country where being the exotic foreigner seemed less pleasant. Not to say that there were anything negative, but knowing that I would always stand out versus being blended in. Stayed with me over the years, and as I've advised and worked with students from diverse backgrounds, also specifically for students of color, being able to advise saying, like, this is just something to consider. And again, in the United States, you also have spaces where you're predominantly the only one in the room. And so those skill sets are helpful when you go somewhere where, again, you might be the only one. You mentioned skill sets. How can you prepare not just students, but also individuals? I mean, DAD, we are offering research grants. And so not just on the student level, but also on the research level, there may be researchers that are maybe wherever they go, there may be different or they may stand out. So what is it that you found helpful that you now use when you advise? I think the key is doing research beforehand, both internet research, but also talking to people and getting a sense of 
what what is it that you will encounter? You will certainly encounter many unexpected things, but what? how can you arm yourself with research to be able to know what to expect? So before I moved to both Holland and Hungary, I tried to learn the language, you know, at least the sounds of it beforehand, talk to people from those countries, and just to get a sense of what are things like, you know, everything from the grocery store to what is the political situation to just really arm oneself with what will it be like when I land. So that would be my probably cornerstone of, of advice read, write, and talk to as many people as you can. It seems like really your experience and growing up in different countries really, it's kind of like a red thread towards where you're now and your career. For someone who also is interested in the field of international education, and again, our field has been impacted quite a bit by this pandemic and shelter in place and not being able to travel, but if someone wanted to also break into the field and, and would like to gain some experience, what would you suggest? I would say it's a great field filled with compassionate, interesting people that have experiences from around the world. And I think the ability not to travel right now brings to the forefront the reason why we all believe international education to be a great thing. It's obviously not the only thing in the world, but I think the value of international understanding and what that is and why that's so important nowadays comes to the forefront. So anyone entering the field to be able to focus on why why it's important will be important. And again, it may take a different shape than not only mobility, but virtual exchange and different types of things using digital tools. But why why is it that we think it's important? I can only speak for me. I think it's mm -hmm. important because global understanding, solving global issues from healthcare to finances, I mean, name the industry, you're going to be working nowadays with people that are not physically in the same room with you from a different culture. Whether they have the same passport or you doesn't really matter. So I think just being able to work and understand people from a different perspective and being comfortable with that and comfortability, working with someone that may not have the same political views, same experience as you, is important. And international education exchange is one way to get that experience. I agree with you and specifically with like um, approaching people or, or being comfortable with talking to someone who may not have the same views. How do you navigate maybe talking to someone has completely different views because that's like for me for example I'm I really would like to also engage with people that have a different worldview also just to understand what's going on right now but I don't engage on Facebook for example because that just creates more yeah that's that's just not the kind of medium that I would like to use in Germany when you communicate with someone and you argue it's like there is an argued culture or like a discussion culture that's very natural like even when you don't know someone you can just get into a heated argument but then you shake hands and have a beer or whatever and and everything is fine which is the complete opposite here in the united states where oftentimes you don't even talk about that you don't dare talk about it so That's one of the 
things that I've been wondering how to, strategies and how to communicate with someone who's different and maybe have a very different worldview that completely uh, collides with what I think. Have you found like some strategies or some kind of tools and how to bridge that gap? I think my tool is always trying to put, trying to put myself in their shoes to understand what perspective they're coming from. It's, it's hard to do sometimes at times. I think having students and thinking of myself going away to college and then to a whole new part of the United States, going abroad to work, surrounding myself with people that were very different from me and just being open to understanding how is it that they were raised, they grew up, how they came to be, um, I think has helped me just to know that there are different realities out there. Even if those realities for me are like completely very, very different, just trying to use the tools of empathy to at least understand. doesn't necessarily mean I agree, but to understand that perspective. I think Social media has probably made that harder and we all live in our own bubble. And so trying to break through that bubble and read things, you know, talk to people that are outside of our bubble is important. And having grown up with a librarian, I know social media is not the place to go. So I always try to go to bona fide sources if I can. What do you appreciate specifically about Germany and then the U.S. that I often say like I, I wish there was like a combination of the two because oftentimes I see Germany and the U.S. are kind of the extremes and then if there was some sort of a middle that that'd be perfect. Uh, I would say being on time <laughs> is one that I appreciate in the United States. I think again if time is a spectrum certain cultures may be time is is not important and Germany it's very important and I think the U.S. is somewhere in between depending again if it's with friends family work but that's one thing I, I appreciate. However if you'd ask my husband he'd be the one more on time and well not more on time but I think he is more of the rather early than late and I'm more of the well if we meet at nine I'm gonna maybe hurry um, <laughs> um and I'm gonna make it but I'm not going to be somewhere with a lot of time to spare mm -hmm. what's the other way way around that you really appreciate I think again thinking of maybe a work culture spending time to get to know your colleagues and sort of that time for chit chat I think is an American trait getting to know each other is something I appreciate. I think we have that in, in Germany too, depending on the people, but there's more of the, well, we have a meeting, let's, let's talk business and, and not so much. It takes a while to get to it. We're in the US. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's seen as superficial, but I think there, there's a general culture of at least, hey, how are you before you get down to business? Which I find that that's, that's one thing that I really appreciate, but it's also hard for me because I do have this, and I've noticed that at the university too, 
My husband, for example, uh, when he was in a master's program, he went to baseball game with his professor. It was a very, very small program, to be fair. But that was just, what do you mean you go to his house for a party? And there were other yeah. master's, PhD students. And what do you... you yeah, very open, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so for me, that was really, I think because... Um, it's, it's somewhat easy too to have boundaries and to know, okay, this is my boss and this, or this is my friend. But yeah, I, on the one hand, I appreciate it because it makes the work more human and easier to connect. But at the same time, especially when you have like hierarchy, because the hierarchy still exists, right? Yes. And like you have a boss and you have someone who's like maybe on the lower level. And so that's really hard for me to navigate sometimes the where the, the, the work starts and the personal ends and kind of the mix of that sometimes is really hard for me to navigate. Yeah, no, I think it's that's a fair point as well. You grew up in Germany as well and you speak German. So from my experience, wherever I am, I, I'm then the go-to person in the U.S. to say something about Germany and what's going on in Germany and vice versa. What would you like Americans to know about Germany? I would say Germans have a great sense of humor. <laughs> um, that's been my experience. So I would say that's something that maybe Americans don't know about Germany. <laughs> maybe more uh, sarcasm or yeah. some other irony or some other forms of humor and then the other way around what would you like Germans to know about the U.S. and Americans that it's a very diverse place it's huge and so the experience of someone in Michigan State could be very different from someone in the state of Mississippi to California. I would even go farther than that, that within a state, the urban and the rural areas, even here in California, once you leave the big centers of LA and San Francisco, it's a completely different world, even though it's just two, three hours away. Yes, I, I would agree with that as well. You said you lived in Frankfurt and in Hamburg. I assume you traveled a little bit too. What are the lesser known places that you visited that you can recommend? I spent two weeks in the summer on the island of Zut in the north, which is a beautiful island with sand. And even though at that point it was never more than maybe 20 degrees Celsius, uh, it was sunny and you would have the wind on your face and yeah, and just the, the sea. So that I would say is a, maybe a lesser known destination in Germany. So do you still, do you have family in Germany or where do you go when you go to Germany? Yes, I still have family and roots in Germany. So in Frankfurt and in Stuttgart. Frankfurt, I think for a lot of people is like finance center and it's the hub for connections, like with a huge airport. But I've spoken to a few people now who basically describe Frankfurt in a, in a very different way, which I found really interesting since you have family there and you spent some time there. How would you describe Frankfurt to someone who's never been and then maybe the reasons why to go to Frankfurt to visit? Frankfurt, I think as an American, is in a very American-friendly city. What, is, what, you, what do you, you mean? Hear, um, you hear English a lot, I think okay. just because it's a finance capital. 
of Germany. So it's often described as the Manhattan of Germany, Manhattan, because it's along the Main River. That would be one thing. It's very diverse, huge immigrant culture, people from all walks of life as well. Yeah, I'd say those are probably the two things that one may not know about Frankfurt. In Stuttgart, is, I think it was the first time Stuttgart is mentioned. So where is Stuttgart and what kind of city is Stuttgart? Stuttgart is about two hours south of Frankfurt and Baden-Württemberg, so near Heidelberg. I think people describe it as a provincial town also, but I, I like it. it. To me, maybe the closest thing would be Washington, D.C. in the United States, just in terms of its manageable city. And it's also very diverse as well, and also universities there, and also, I think, a great Location between sort of France, Switzerland, Germany, you can kind of get around as well in that area. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they contact you? Probably through Diversity Abroad. So we have a website and you can reach me through that website. This was my coffee connection with Wagaya Johannes. All content is created and edited by me, Hani Geist. If you would like to get in touch, send an email to podcast at dad.org. Stay safe, healthy, and well. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you at the next coffee break.